the answer for me was, was obvious. It's like, I need a coach. I need somebody who's been there before, done it before and can guide me along the way. So I don't waste time, you know, so I can, I can make the best use of my limited time. Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me today, I'm excited to have Brian Briscoe. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing, Todd? I am fantastic. Thanks for joining me on the show. A little bit about Brian. He's the co-founder of the multi-family investing firm Four Oaks Capital. They currently have about seven and a half million under assets under management. He's also the host of a new podcast called The Diary of an Apartment Investor. And they bring on experienced and aspiring investors together on each episode, interview uh, kind of a different style, which is pretty fun and exciting. He's also an active duty Marine Lieutenant uh, stationed at the Pentagon and retired in 2021 after 20 years in service. So thank you very much for your service. That's awesome. That's a long commitment. Um, And so we thank you. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me on your podcast. It's it's a great podcast. Been listening for a long time. Thanks, man. My, my brother was a Marine as well. So, uh, yeah, so he, he spent, I think six years in the court and, uh, is still living kind of near where he was stationed in South Carolina. So Beaufort, South Carolina. Yeah. It's a beautiful area. My, my wife grew up, uh, just outside of Columbia and, uh, I was in Beaufort right before COVID closed everything down actually. But, uh, you know, right there close to the water, you know, still kind of, you know, South Carolina doesn't have a whole lot in you know, a big population center. So it's still kind of, you know, has this relaxed little area. Yep. So. yep. Little, little town feel for yep. sure. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about your business, uh, what you're doing today and, and kind of where the focus is of, of Four Oaks. So, you know, Four Oaks, there's, um, there's four of us, you know, in, in the company, you know, me, Todd Butler, Eric Shirley, Brian Mallon, you know, we are acquiring, you know, multifamily assets, you know, syndication model is what we use. Um, right now we are focusing in South Carolina. Interesting that your, your brother lives there, but uh, we're focusing in upstate South Carolina. We like the Southeast in general. Um, but, you know, if, if you had to nail me down to one, one area, you know, it's um, the area along I-85 corridor between Charlotte and Atlanta. Uh, but generally what we're looking for is, you know, value add BNC class, uh, apartment buildings that we can come in, you know, either make management a little more efficient, you know, fix things up. We're, we're looking for, you know, some sort of efficiencies to gain and capitalize on to, to force the appreciation. Um, we're somewhat of a new company. Uh, we've been around a year and a half together, you know, so just four syndications under our belt, one under contract, you know, total 168 units uh, plus, you know, um, you know, knock on wood, hopefully we, we get this one under contract, you know, signed, sealed and delivered soon. But, uh, um, yeah, the general model is, you know, what a lot of syndication syndicators do look for the value add, um, you know, raise money, pay, you know, returns to the investors and, you know, three, five, eight years later, exit the property and, and move on to the next one. So real cool. So multifamily, I mean, you know, you're, you're, in the Marines, you 
you know, basically this, so you're 2021, you'll mm-hmm. have 20 years of service. Correct. I mean, so you, you were in the Marines for 20 years. It's not like the Marines is an entrepreneurial school. They're not teaching you how to be an entrepreneur. They're not teaching you about multifamily. No, they're not. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that was just my assumption. So oh, yeah, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but, but they, but they aren't. And so, so what, like, tell, take me through the mindset. Like what made you think, Oh, let's do, let's buy these apartments. You know, so I, I call myself kind of like the accidental career Marine, you know, 20 years ago, if you'd have told me that I'd be, I was going to be a Lieutenant Colonel in the Marine Corps getting ready to retire, I would have laughed at you. You know, mm-hmm. I absolutely would have laughed. Um, I wanted to be a college professor, you know, so I got mm-hmm. a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from, you know, University of Utah, which is you know, in my hometown, Salt Lake City, um, went to do a PhD program at the University of Minnesota, you know, so living in St. Paul in your neck of the woods. And, you know, th- this event, September 11th happened, you know, I, my, my first week of school was the last week of August, 2001. And, you know, September 11th happened and I started rethinking things, you know, I was a young guy, you know, fit and decided that, okay, this, that event kind of pissed me off, kind of, you know, it was a call to action for me. So I went down to you know, they're the recruiting station decided, Hey, I want to, I want to commission. I want to be a Marine officer. I want to, you know, do what I can to um, basically fight the war on terror as, as president Bush called it. Um, now, interestingly enough, I planned on doing my initial three and a half year tour and then get out of the Marine Corps um, in my garage, in a box, in a folder, I still have a letter from the University of Minnesota saying that I could come back to the University of Minnesota, be readmitted to the graduate program, and everything would be just like I never left. You know, so I absolutely insisted that was the last thing I, I, I had to have before I signed the dotted line was that letter from the math department at the University of Minnesota. You know, and incidentally, I think it'd be fun a year from now, you know, to show up at the university <laughs> with that letter and my retirement papers and say, I'm back, you know, but um, so yeah, that was, that was my intended career path. So I get into the Marine Corps and, you know, certain things I really liked about it, but I think I got used to a salary. I got used to, you know, making money, you know, I wasn't making a, a large amount of money. Um, you know, I was probably making, you know, 60, $75,000 when I got to that three and a half year mark. And I started looking at, going back to school, I started looking at, okay, I've got two little kids, you know, um, they're, you know, one was now 21 and one's 18, but I had two little kids at the time. And I started looking at going back to being poor for, you know, three to five years to get a PhD. And anyway, long story short, I decided to stay in for one more tour and, and try to position myself to do that. So Along the way, I met a couple of people who bought houses at every duty station. You know, the, you, you get transferred every two to three years. And so I started thinking, you know, that's, that's a good idea. You know, I was heavily influenced by, you know, Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, and just seeing what some other guys did. You know, we moved, we bought a house. We moved again, we bought a house, you know. So, you know, kind of built up a couple of single family homes and, you know, deployments and a lot of other things got in the way. So I, you know, I wish I had purchased a lot more, especially, you know, 2010 to 12 time frame. 
but don't we all right i know i mean it's just one of those <laughs> things uh i went to a bank in the in in like 2011 because i wanted to buy you know another house i went to one bank and they said you're overextended we can't give you a loan yeah and i just took no for an answer you know yeah. like okay but you won't buy another house um but at the end of the day i think two to three years ago was the first time i saw the light at the end of the tunnel you know for for one reason or the other, every time I had an option to get out, I decided to stay in. But um, I realized two years ago, I'm like, hey, I, I, there's that light at the end of the tunnel. It's getting bigger. There's this thing called retirement. You know, I need to do something. Um, I always imagine myself falling back on real estate, but I realized I needed to accelerate things. So uh, we ended up selling the single family houses that we had and using that to to launch the multifamily campaign. You know, so... Um, read a couple of books on, you know, a ship on, on a deployment once about the multifamily realized it was, it was a quick way to scale. You know, I mean, it's, it's all the advantages of, you know, single family residential real estate, but the ability to scale was there, you know, so buy one, get 10, buy one, get 20. Yeah. Um, so, you know, long story short, um, you know, sold the houses that we had each house that we had, we walked away with, you know, six, six figure paydays, um, ended up getting coaching through the Michael Blanc program. And that's pretty much what, what launched the, the multifamily career on our side. So for me, it's really, this is, this is kind of the gap filler. Once, once I retire, you know, I'll get a small pension when I retire compared to what I'm earning now. Um, but this is going to be the post Marine Corps career for me. This is going to be what I do all day, every day. And, you know, it, I started two and a half years ago with the, the mindset that I need to replace my active duty income by October, 2021, because that's when I'm going to retire. But how do you juggle both, right? A lot of people are in that same shoe, shoe as you where they're going, oh, I got a full-time job. I, I got something going on full-time. Like, how do I start this multifamily? Because you know, they see someone like me or any, a lot of other people that are on these podcasts that are talking that we're doing it full time. Yeah. Right. And so obviously it's okay. I can see that, but what happens if I'm working 40 hours a week, I've got a family, uh, you know, how, now how do I do it? How do I even start? You got to get creative. You know, it's just one of those things where um, I think, first of all, you've got to have that big burning why. You know, and I, I've got five kids to support. So I, I definitely have, you know, family considerations, but I, I have a very firm date on the calendar. You know, it's on the whiteboard in front of me, you know, it's very firm date when I'm going to retire and a very clear goal that I need, you know, I need to be able to support my family after I retire. And I have chosen multifamily to be the vehicle that provides the income to support my family. So, you know, you start with the big burning why, and, you know, it's in front of me every day. Um, and then the next thing I did is I, I sat down and I looked at the, the time, you know, that I had that I could use more efficiently. And I was on the Metro, you know, the subway for about an hour and 10 minutes every day. That's how I commuted. I'm, you know, a, a five minute drive from the Metro station. And I sat on a train for an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon. And that was largely the, the time that I used to do real estate. You know, you, you get, you get a lunch break at your job, you know, so I would schedule calls during my lunch break, you know, and if, if somebody couldn't talk to me till one or two, yeah, I'd take my lunch at one or two. 
Um, and I work at the Pentagon. And the funny thing is the, the most reliable Wi-Fi in the entire Pentagon is in the gym, you know, and, you know, I'm a Marine. We're supposed to keep fit. So, you know, if you, if you walk up to your boss and say, Hey, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour, you know, he's like, okay, great. You know, just make sure your job's done, you know? Um, so I would go to the gym and, you know, sometimes I'd work out. Sometimes I'd open up my iPad on the table in the back corner and just take advantage of the Wi-Fi there, you know, pound out emails. So it was just a matter of looking at what time I had, you know, looking at the flexibility that I had at my job. And, you know, fortunately I have a pretty flexible job and just taking advantage of it. And then I think the other window that I had that was readily available was after nine o'clock at night, you know, so kids are in bed and, you know, I was spending routinely, you know, nine o'clock to midnight, um, most nights just doing other real estate related stuff. You know, that's, that's when I would be analyzing deals. That's when I would be, you know, typing up emails that I send, you know, maybe the next day or whatever. But, uh, I think end of the day, I just had to fill every space on the calendar that I could, you know, so, um, and that, that's really been, been how I've done it was getting creative with my time and filling every single second. Yeah. And that's so important. I mean, it, it's amazing when you really look at your calendar and you really look at your day, how much time you actually can come up with if if there's that burning desire, like if you, if that, if you want to achieve something, if you truly want it, like, like you did, you spent the extra hour both ways on the commute. You spent the lunch hour doing that. You spent some gym time doing that. And then you spent some time in the evening after the kids go to bed working on that. And, and you were able to figure out time gaps that you could fill in with the real estate to make this a possibility because yeah if you just said well, excuse of, well, I'm working full time, I got five kids and I just look, there's just no time. Like I, I need to watch my Netflix and I need to, you know, whatever, do, do this other stuff, you know, search social media, whatever it is, you're just not going to find time of course, but you have a purpose, right? You yeah. know what you want and then you had to figure out how to achieve it. I think that's, that's really important. And some, something else that's been very helpful is, you know, I've kind of modified that the Hal Elrod Miracle Morning. Um, I've actually not been good at it recently, but, you know, when I was the busiest, it was, it was absolutely crucial every morning to open up my goal sheet and review that goal sheet. It was the first thing I did when I sat down on the Metro is, you know, I looked at the, you know, Hal calls them the savers, you know. I looked at that sheet and your visualizations and your affirmations, you know, those were essentially my goals, what I wanted to get done. But every single morning I'd, I'd review those and, and remind myself, you know, I'm going to run out of a paycheck on October 31st, 2021. So, and it was always in the forefront and it kept the reason right there the entire time. And then it was like, okay, well, you know, done with my, my, you know, reading my goals and going through that. I got 50 minutes right now. You know, what am I going to do next? So yeah, that's really what it was. And um, I mean, quite frankly, part of the reason I, I got into the coaching program, you know, through, through Michael Blanc um, network was I knew I wasn't going to have time. I wanted to accelerate things. I wanted to, you know, make sure that I was as, as efficient as possible in everything I did, you know, so 
the, the answer for me was, was obvious. It's like, I need a coach. I need somebody who's been there before done it before and can guide me along the way. So I don't waste time, you know, so I can, I can make the best use of my limited time. And, and that's exactly what I got out of it. You know, I got somebody who, who helped me focus on the right activities, you know, and when I came to him on our, you know, every other week call and he said, Hey, you know, what did you do this last two weeks? And I told him, he's like, eh, you know, maybe you want to start doing this, you know, I start thinking about it. I'm like, okay. You know, you know, I'm paying a lot of money for this and he's telling me what to do. Maybe I should follow what he did. And I mean, end of the day, that's, that was really kind of the, the nexus for me to, to get into the coaching program too, was I need to leverage other people's knowledge and experience to, to be able to do what I want to do. Hi, I'm Matt Jones, and if you're like me, you're looking to grow your real estate business while connecting with others. There's this incredible new virtual experience unlike any other. I'm talking about the North Star Real Estate Conference. It's coming to you online this October 22nd and 23rd, and it's not like one of those boring webinars you find all the time out there. No, this is going to be interactive. You're going to have the opportunity to network and grow relationships with not only the other attendees, but with the speakers as well. So you can sign up today online at nreconference.com and use the code DEX, D-E-X, for $50 off. You know, a theme that comes out from a lot of our guests is that the idea of a mentor or a coach, uh, you know, people, that, that network, you know, obviously having people that have been there before you and having people that can, can guide you, lead you, be your kind of your Yoda, um, mm -hmm. And, and it sounds like you had that same experience with, you know, the, uh, hiring a coach as well. And we're able to kind of fast forward it a little bit. Is it, would you, would you recommend, like, was that a, looking back, you've gone through it, you've done mm -hmm. it. Would you recommend that to other people starting? Do you think there's a better way to do it? Like what, what's your thought on that? There, there's multiple ways to get there. You know, one of, yeah. one of my, co one of my partners, you know, once branded himself as anti-coaching, you know, yeah. um, you a know, a lot of people are too. A lot of people yeah. think, well, why would I spend the money on that when I can spend it on a deal? I, I can learn, you know, and, and his philosophy is exactly what you just said. He's like, you know, and, and some coaching programs are expensive, you know, um, but it's, they, they rival the minimum, you know, investment amount for a lot of syndications. You know, so my partner point points out, you know, I can take that same amount of money, put it in a syndication and learn from the syndicators and get an actual return. Um, in my case, you know, I wanted, I wanted to create something, you know, I didn't want to just get returns, you know, I wanted to create something. And I, I think I had a, a very short timeline. I mean, when I, when I got into the coaching program, I had less than three years till my retirement date. It was just under three years. Yeah. And because of the limited timeline, because of my, my tight schedule, because of everything else going on, for me, that was the obvious answer. And um, I'll be honest, there, there was a, a syndicator in, in the D.C. area where I live right now who offered to take me under his wing and just say, hey, look, come work with us, you know. And I, I thought about doing that. You know, I thought about, you know, taking him on, taking him up on his, his offer, you know, and, you know, I would have been raising capital for their deal. I would have helped them underwrite and a couple of other things. But, you know, end of the day, I, I think I went back to that. I wanted to create something. I wanted to create a business and a company and, and you know, something bigger that, that I could call my own and not work for someone else. And so I, I would say, you know, if you're, if you're considering coaching and 
almost always when people ask me for, for advice, you know, I'll, I'll turn it around and say, well, where do you want to go? Where do you want to get to, you know? And if coaching is going to help you get there faster then do it. And in my case, you know, coaching was like, you know, rocket fuel, you know, or, or um, you know, an accelerator. Uh, you, I mean, you, you used a similar word. Um, I don't remember what you said exactly, but, you know, jump started everything for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's super important to understand like, where are you going? Cause mm-hmm. it's not for everyone, as you said, but it, it's extremely valuable. Uh, I've, I see a lot of success with it and, and I get it. Like I get like your, your, your partner, like, well, why don't I just use that money to invest? Like that's a, a down payment. That's a investment into a syndication, whatever. But you also have to look at it. What's the education? Where is your business wanting to go? So you kind of got to put those things together, decide what's best for you. Um, let's talk about, let's shift gears, talk a little bit about uh, maybe a mistake that you've made along the way and how have you learned from it? You know, um, lot, lots of mistakes made, you know, hard, hard to focus on one. I, I think, uh, you know, up front, um, you know, I, one, one particular project, you know, we were just a little bit undercapitalized. I mean, we, we came in, we thought we needed, you know, X amount for all the renovations. Yeah. And, you know, after we closed, we had, we had more money in the bank than we planned by just a little bit. And we were super excited. We're like, we're overcapitalized. Yay. Um, so I, I think the, and, and right now we, we added a couple things to our, our CapEx budget and we took things off the CapEx budget that, uh, um, so, so we really had to do a little bit of juggling, you know, to get things, you know, under control there. So, um, for example, this, this particular unit, uh, we, we did a debt raise on this one, you know, so we wrote, you know, 10% notes to, to, uh, to the investors, but, uh, yeah. um, so on this particular property, there were two burn units that we had allocated, you know, like 60 or 70,000 to, to bring back up to, to full operation. And, you know, fortunately we had that $60,000, you know, extra little bit there um, because there, there are some other costs, you know, we, we decided that we needed to build a fence. You know, we kind of looked at the dynamics. It was right next to, you know, a public area and there was a lot of loiterers, a lot of people walking mm-hmm. through and there ended up being, you know, a lot of, a lot of thefts in, in the parking lot. So, yeah. um, you know, just last week we had a fence installed, you know, and that was something that we didn't originally have in the budget but, you know, when we, we started looking at the dynamics of what was going on there, it's like, okay, well, most of these people are just passing through and they're going from one area to another. And so fence goes up, you know, now they, they can't, you know, we change their patterns. Um, you know, and a couple other things, you know, decisions we made afterwards that, uh, you know, things we're going to do. Um, we, we had budgeted, you know, I think $6,000 per unit on the interiors and, you know, when we got people in, it turned out to be closer to 7,000. So, you know, we, we came in, you know, with this is, this is what our renovation budget's going to be. And we didn't have a whole lot of fluff there. So how did, how did we learn? You know, we, we've done two syndications since that one. And, you know, we were overestimating all of our capital expenses now. Um, we thought we were on that one, but we've got, you know, more data points now. We're getting more competitive bids in during due diligence. Um, but yeah, we've done two, two syndications since there. And, you know, now we have our CapEx budget, you know, our overage budget for, you know, when we go over or um, when there's something else. So we're just making the the numbers a lot fatter as far as what we're bringing 
bringing in for renovations. Yes, super important. I think a lot of beginners uh, especially do that. And I know I've done that myself. And even being experienced, you go, well, I I don't want to budget too much because if I budget too much, you know, it affects what the numbers look like and it affects Mm -hmm. how much capital we have in the deal. Why have a bunch of capital just sitting there? So I don't want to budget too much. But what happens is you get into that situation, you need to install a fence, you have a plumbing leak, you have whatever. And all of a sudden your budget just goes out the window and you're going, oh crap, you know, we're 100,000, we're 200,000, we're 500,000, whatever it is, uh, you know, more than what we thought we would be. And man, it can go really quick, especially when you're dealing with a 100 or a 200 unit apartment Mm -hmm. building and you're renovating all these units and all of a sudden, each unit's costing you an extra 500 bucks a unit, 800 yeah. bucks a unit, whatever it is. It all adds up. It all adds up. It's amazing how quickly it goes. And so I, I'm in the same boat with you is that I would rather have extra capital sitting around that we can distribute back to our investors mm-hmm. than to be sitting here trying to figure, okay, where do we have to cut the budget today in order to hopefully not do a capital call or are we going to have to do a capital call and ask our investors for more money, uh, which is really the last thing we want to do to our investors. Um, Now, if if it needs to happen, I mean, you just have to do that potentially, but that's what we want to try to avoid. So I'm, I'm with you. And again, you know, it's easy to make that mistake, especially because again, we're trying to like, we're trying to be tight on our numbers. We're trying to make sure everything's good there. And okay, well, we think we can get this thing done for, you know, 1.2 million. And so we're going to put that on there. And we don't have that old crap budget of, you know, a couple extra hundred thousand dollars just in case. Yeah. You know, I think one other thing that, uh, that we, we've learned from and, you know, I interviewed somebody on my podcast. It's actually the, the episode that drops tomorrow. But he uh, made a really good point uh, on what they do with their... Um, their CapEx budget is they prioritize the capital expenditures. So you, you, you may have six or eight or 10 things on your, your budget list that you want to do. Um, but they'll go through and they'll say, these are the things we absolutely have to do. These are the things we'd like to do. And these are the things we can do, you know, and um, you know, on, on this project I was talking about, we did a couple of the, Things would probably be in the, you know, these are the things that we can do category before doing the things that we absolutely had to do. Mm, you know, once yeah. again, it was, we thought we would have the money to do everything. And when the other expenses mm-hmm. came in yeah. and, you know, we're like, well, shoot, I wish we hadn't done that part already. Yeah. You know, it looks nice and, you know, it, it was, it was nice to do, but you know, end of the day, you know, you, you kind of got to look at the, the returns you are going to have the biggest you know, return on investment. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta do certain things first and, you know, the other things, you know, down the road can, can potentially wait. So yep. yeah, the other thing we're doing is just categorizing things a little different. So here are the things that we absolutely must do and you'll make a list of it. And even, even if some of the, the tertiary or the, the smaller things are like the low hanging fruit and things we get bang out really quickly, you know, we're, we're still going to wait to get those done. Yeah, and that, I, I really like that. I mean, I think that's 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 wise because, as you said, like, yeah, it might be easy. You know, we might just want to grab it right away because we're like, oh, that's that's super easy. Let's just do it. Contractors already here; mm-hmm. uh, they can they can come and do it. It's going to save us a couple bucks if we do it now. But in the end, it might cost you a lot of money 
if you can't get done the items you have to do because other overages happened along the way. You know, like I said, like one of my properties, literally we, uh, on, on Labor Day, we had a pipe underground that burst and flooded four of our units. You know, this is something like we had no control over. It's underground, yeah. it's in the earth and it flooded our units. And, you know, we had to dig up the, the street, dig up the ground. It's an emergency order. Um, so it cost us a lot of money. And that was like a $50,000 expense between all of that, just to get all that stuff fixed. We yeah. didn't budget for that. Like we didn't plan on an extra $50,000 happening. And so when you have stuff like that happening and you have other overages that might happen, having that like kind of wish list mm-hmm. is nice to wait till the end. I really like that idea. So yeah. thanks for sharing that. Yeah, um, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about the team that you've built because mm-hmm. you have succeeded on the team that you've built. Um, and, and a lot of people are in the same boat. They're going, well, do I get started with multifamily myself? I see the struggle a lot. I, 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 you know, clients that are like, do I get started on my own? I want to do it on my own. I don't have anybody I want to partner with. And they think they're going to, you know, buy 500 units, a thousand units, 10,000 units all by themselves. Yeah. Good luck. Which, which might happen. Right. Yeah. But good luck. Like you, know, like you said, it's, it's challenging. So let's talk about the value of teams, the value of partnerships, and then kind of, you know, how did you go about it? How did you formulate the team, the four Oaks and maybe some of the other teams that you guys have done? So, um, yeah, so from, from the beginning, you know, I realized I'd need a partner, you know, and I, I was doing a whole lot of networking. I was going to local networking events. I was going to some of the national networking events. I was in as many forums as I could, you know, in any, any place where I could, you know, get a little bit of traction. But, um, you know, I found the most traction in the Michael Blanc program. And I, I met I met Eric Shirley first, you know, and I realized I looked at his profile, you know, we, we have a private group in using a Slack uh, app, but I looked at his profile and his phone number is on there, 803 area code. I'm like, that's South Carolina, you know? And I knew it was South Carolina because my wife's grandma, you know, calls from the 803 area code and she'd call, you know, once, twice a month, you know, when I see her phone ring, 803 area code, oh, and you get your grandma, you know? So, um, so I saw that and oh, by the way, I was looking for properties in South Carolina at the time. So I remember either texted him or called him. I don't remember what, but we, we had a couple of conversations. And then, you know, a little while later, we realized that we were chasing the same deals, talking to the same brokers, you know, and had another phone call with Eric and mentioned this to him. He's like, let's collaborate. I said, okay, that sounds, that actually sounds great. You know, let's, let's share notes. Um, you know, he lives in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is a couple hour drive from, you know, a lot of the properties that we were looking at, you know, and he was like, Hey, I'm going to be in Columbia next week. I can just go walk that property. I'll take a bunch of pictures. I'll send them to you. We'll get on the phone afterwards and we'll talk about it, you know? And so we we started doing that and it wasn't too long until we had our first property under contract. And at that point, um, I mean, what, what I forgot to mention, Eric had already partnered with Brian Mallon. So when I decided to, to partner with Eric, you know, it was a two for one sale on partners. Um, and then, 
we, we kind of, we got our first property under contract. It was a $4 million purchase price. We had about a $2 million raise that we were going to have to do. And we started looking at where we needed help. And Eric says, Hey, I know a guy, uh, let's bring him into the group. And that's, that's how I met Todd Butler was, you know, Eric introduced me to Todd Butler, who was also in the Michael Blanc uh, program. So basically we all came together in an ad hoc fashion to do one single deal. Um, but what happened is we were on the phone together a lot. You know, we're talking to each other, we're texting each other, we're on Zoom calls with each other. And incidentally, you know, our, our Friday at noon Zoom call, I was in the Pentagon gym every Friday at noon, you know, on my iPad and, you know, in uniform most of the time, you know, and so um, they got used to seeing that, but we had a really good thing going. And after several months of, you know, um, working together, I was starting to think, you know what, I really like these guys. And I started hustling just so I could, you know, be, keep being part of that team. But, uh, you know, Eric called me one day and he's like, Hey, we want, we want to make this a long-term thing. It's like, we, we got a good thing. They, they realized the same thing. We got a really good thing going on. And so, you know, the next zoom call we had, we all started talking and we all agreed. We all had the same, and what worked really well is we all had roughly the same timeline. We all had like a two to three year. I went out of my corporate or military job. Um, we were all in the same position. We we're all making roughly the same salaries, you know, and just, just so many things lined up in common. You know, we're all working for, for larger companies with, you know, um, a lot of good work experience. Anyway, end of the day, um, you know, we, we decided to make, you know, form Four Oaks Capital. And, you know, we ended up, uh, it was right before we closed on our first property, but we ended up closing that property and, you know, three, three more afterwards. So, yeah, so that, that was, that's kind of how the, the partners came, came to be. And what's, what's really nice about it is there's four of us. So, you know, if, if something comes up, you know, usually I'm the due diligence guy, but my daughter got married you know, last month and, you know, just the timing of the contract and everything else, you know, there's four of us, you know, so it was like, Hey, I know I usually do due diligence, but you know, you guys got this right. Hey, yeah, sure. So, you know, Eric and Todd met on the property and, and, you know, did everything that I'd normally do, you know, so the nice part about it is, you know, we, we all have different strengths. We all have, you know, different time schedules. You know, some, some of us are a little more constrained than others. And so, you, there, there's, there's a lot of other, there's a lot of ways to cover everything that, that we have to do. Um, we all have our own swim lanes, you know, first of all, but, uh, um, it gives us a little more flexibility in the long run. And, you know, there, there's that, the, the old adage, you know, many hands make light work and just, just a little easier. And there, there's a lot more motivation there, you know, so, um, it's not just me pushing myself anymore. You know, now I've got Eric and Todd and Brian that are, they're pushing, you know, the same, um, you know, same hand card or whatever it is with me. Yeah. Yeah. Super valuable. And I, I really like what you said there. You, you guys kind of all have the same timeline, mm -hmm. right? And you all have kind of similar salaries, which means you probably have fairly similar lifestyles, fairly similar, you know, spending needs. Um, yep. And one thing that I've noticed on partnerships that maybe breaks down is where one of the partners needs to spend a lot more than the other partners. Mm -hmm. um, they, they have 
whatever, whatever it is, they have a, a really fancy house or they just love buying cars or whatever mm-hmm. it is, but they end up, uh, you know, valuing money differently. And so they need to take huge salaries out of the business. Uh, th- those are, that's challenging. Uh, obviously same thing with your personalities and ethics and all that kind of stuff. But I think you've mentioned the salaries and I really like, I like that because you got to think about it. How much do we actually need as a group? Where are we all going as a group? Mm-hmm. We all want to retire in three years. Okay. That makes sense. So we know, let's put it together. What do we need yeah. to do to retire? And having a guy that needs 500,000 and another guy that needs 50,000. Well, that's a big difference. Yeah. Like, doesn't that, that those don't marry together. Yeah. And so, so we, we have our number and we realize that, you know, year, year or so from now, when I retire from the Marine Corps, you know, I'm still going to have to work at it. It's not going to be, you know, yeah. passive income. We haven't yeah. created this passively yet, but the, the first step is to get the business to pay for our living expenses. And, you know, step two is to start building the passive income to replace our active income, you know? So, and it, it's, it's the same goal we all have is, you know, here's, here's the amount we need to step away from our full-time jobs and work in this business full-time. And, you know, talking to, to a lot of people, that's just, that's, that's going to be one more accelerator is when I have, you know, 40 or 50 hours a week to devote just to this business. Um, yeah. And then, then from there, it's going to be, you know, our, our strategy is going to be, okay, now let's grow to the point to where we have all this, the same amount of income coming in passively. And I think once we get to that point to where, you know, we, we have that, that number coming in passively, you know, then it's a different conversation. You know, then it's like, then it's maybe, okay, you know, does, um, does somebody want, does somebody want to exit? Are you guys good? You know, so that, that's, that's probably where we'll have the first conversation about, you know, differing opinions on money. But, um, you know, once, once we get to that, you know, everybody's got enough money to live passively, you know, it'll probably take us several years to get there, but you know, we're, we're all committed to get there and, you know, same timelines, same everything else. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Um, couple last questions. Uh, what's a favorite book that you can recommend to our listeners? Um, you know, my favorite book of all time, probably not what you're looking for, but, uh, it's, it's the book of Mormon. I'm, I'm a religious guy and it's, it's, it's the book that I've read the most, you know, I've probably read it cover to cover, you know, 25 times. Um, if you're looking for more of a business oriented book, you know, rich dad, poor dad. And I would say, uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits are, are the two books that have had the biggest influence on, on me. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so last question, uh, before we wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? You know, I, I really like uh, what, what Robert Kiyosaki says, you know, you, you need to buy assets that produce money, that produce income, you know? So I, I think, you know, you invest in, in assets that, that produce passive income. And then of course you got to play offense and you got to play defense, you know, so you, you have to be able to control your spending you know, you got to make sure that, uh, you know, what's coming in is being spent properly and, you know, always, always make sure you're saving for a rainy day. So I think those are the three biggest things, you know, have, have that, that rainy day fund on the side when things happen, you know, like, uh, my basement right now, speaking of rainy day. <laughs> um, and, uh, there you go. Awesome. 
Awesome. Uh, Brian, appreciate it. Appreciate your time. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, best way I think is, uh, through the podcast, you know, we, we release two episodes every week, diary of an apartment investor, uh, website is fouroakscapital.com. And if you want to get to the podcast website, you just put a slash podcast and my contact information is plastered all over the website, all over the, the podcast. You know, I, I probably give my, my contact information out several times on, on the PT episode. So cool. diary of an apartment investor and fouroakscapital.com. Awesome. Brian, again, really appreciate it. Thanks for your time and, and thanks for joining us and a ton of value you're able to add to our, our listeners. Thanks a lot, Todd. I appreciate you too. Have a good day. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.